amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Good evening, Slasher fans. Uh, welcome to a brand new episode of Slasher Studios Horror Podcast. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Andrew. Andrew, uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. I figure the topic for tonight would be fitting, seeing as the IT trailer was released yesterday. And it seems like having a pretty positive um, response. I mean, it seems like a lot of people are, are kind of uh, eating their words at saying it's going to be a terrible movie, blah, blah, blah. Because now they're saying that it looks like it has potential. So I'm excited. There's some really good yeah, stuff. Yeah, um, it's really interesting uh, when stuff like that happens because... I don't know. Um, uh, people nowadays seem to be so fickle that it'll be like, okay, like, yeah, totally on board. Like, I love this. I can't wait for this. And then, oh, there'll be like a TV spot. And I'll be like one second in there. They'll be like, I don't like this. Like, it's going to be awful now. And it's just, I don't know. Like, I'm glad that people are excited about it, though. Um, I know that social media, especially yesterday, was just kind of going crazy for it. Um, I still have not watched it just because I'm still doing kind of the whole no trailer if I can at all possibly go without seeing it Um, just because Mm -hmm. I I plan on watching it anyway. So I just, I want to go in kind of as fresh as possible, but yeah, uh, the, the reactions that I've heard has been pretty much unanimously positive. I mean, even, the, the people that were kind of mixed at least had some good stuff to say about it. Yeah, I mean, my whole thing is I, I watched it once and then I'm not going to watch the trailer again. I'm just going to go see the movie. Because, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of times trailers spoil way too much. This, I don't feel spoiled a whole lot, but there might have been like one or two good boo scares that were kind of... um revealed in the trailer so i i would probably say don't if especially if i mean with when it comes to stephen king's it if you've read the book or seen the miniseries which by the way a lot of horror fans on the internet tim curry's performance is classic the miniseries itself it's shaky <laughs> like i i'm so tired leave the classics alone and all this other stuff and i'm just like you know it's not that great, right? I mean, Tim Curry blows everything. He's fantastic and phenomenal as Pennywise. 
but it just gets sillier and sillier, especially when it turns to to the adults. So, I mean, come on, they barely didn't have that big of a feat to make it. It's not like that shitty, shitty remake of Brian De Palma's Carrie. Like, <laughs> well, you see, and that's the thing too, is that with the kind of you know the Stephen King. Um, you know, the, the kind of movie uh, uh, franchise, you know, we had, especially in the 90s, we got a lot of um, TV movies. And, you know, you're really, you're really hampered by a small budget, uh, which you can show on television and just kind of the age of the material. You know, somebody that's going to watch something like the original It's that came out in 1990, 27 years later, probably is not going to have the same kind of reaction that people that kind of have that nostalgic, you know, warm, fuzzy feeling for it. Um, I'm kind of right there with you on it. You know, I, I think that the Tim Curry is excellent in, as Pennywise. Uh, he's just gives an iconic performance. There's some really, really good moments sprinkled throughout. In fact, most of the stuff with the oh kids my God, is the pretty good. What was that? I, I um, okay, so I take back a little bit of what I said with the adults being is when they go to eat at the Chinese restaurant and they all open their fortune cookies and each one has like a different nightmare inside. That horrified me as a kid. Horrified. It's still to this day. Like it's a little creepy because I've just never, you know, the, there's eyeballs and there's blood. Yeah, and I mean, and then teeth and. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would say, too, that, like, the other moment that I think is really good uh, with the adults is is the scene with the, the balloons that start popping and they're, like, spewing out blood. I think that's a really good kind of visual moment. Um, but unfortunately, it just feels like a lot of filler, and it tries to get overly sentimental with some of the characters, and just, it's just a... It just becomes so preposterous, especially when you kind of string out this material to an over three hour long running time. You know, there's, yeah, you want to get a lot of the stuff in, but when you're kind of working, you know, made for TV as a PG, PG 13 type, you know, rated film, you're dealing with some strong material. And he, with that longer running time, it just, it feels like a lot of it just ends up being filler. Yeah, well, and that's just the thing. It, it was, um, it was a long TV movie, but they, they managed out of the book that it seems like, from what I've read, anyways, that they're trying to put a lot of it back in. Um, I don't know, I'm just... I feel like aside from Tim Curry, the TV movie didn't do the novel justice. And so I'm really hoping that this does. I will always be a little apprehensive just because it's 2016. I mean, studios get their hands in movies and butcher them, re-edit them, reshoot them. And I mean, quite frankly, trailers are made to sell a movie. So if the trailer looks good, that's mm-hmm. because they probably paid somebody a lot of money to do it. However, I mean, I'm excited because I do love the book. So I'm gonna, I'd like to see a new adaptation. I just hope they do right by me. 
Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. Um, I will say that there are elements of the book, and I don't want to get too spoiler heavy, but there are there are certain moments of the book, especially involving the kids, that I hope that they kind of leave out. Um, I know that I'm being kind of vague. If you've read the book, you know what I'm talking about, um, just because what might be horrifying or what might work on the written page, especially involving children, is not going to play well on screen. But, um, yeah, I agree. It's like, I, I hope that it does really do the novel justice because there's a lot of stuff there that was just kind of barely hinted on in the original film. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping um, for the best, but you never know. Fingers crossed. Have you watched anything yeah, lately? Yes, fingers crossed indeed. Um, yeah, actually this last weekend, um, our buddy Zach was in town visiting, so we watched um, a bunch of horror movies. Um, a bunch of them had been ones that I've already talked about, already seen, you know, just ones that I generally liked. But I never watched, um, it's in the Screen Factory 4-pack, it's The Vagrants with Bill Paxton. Um, I believe it was re-released on Blu-ray in a two-pack. Um, it's it's an interesting film. Oh, boy. But, boy, um, I know this movie has its fans. I hadn't heard of it until the, the four-pack came out. And I can understand why people like it. But watching it now, um, it's it's so early 90s like in in the worst ways possible it it definitely has that kind of um freddy's dead type humor where it's kind of beating itself over the head with how quirky and weird it is um and i like some of the supporting characters but oh god it just it got so repetitive for me and like I said, like I know there's people out there that really like this film. I'll probably never watch it again. It's got some good, it's got some funny moments, probably in like the first act, but it definitely wears out its welcome before the end, at least it did for me. Uh, then I probably won't. Um, I was curious about it, but I mean, the the Freddy's dead humor makes me not want to. So I think I'll skip her. Yeah, I mean the whole movie is this, you know, vagrant homeless guy is just following Bill Paxton from place to place and nobody will believe that this guy's stalking him, but like the stalking just gets so ridiculous and so over the top and no one else is really seeming to notice that it just it it kind of beat itself over the head with its humor that just wasn't all that funny to begin with. Um, you might like it. If if I had to say, I would probably recommend for you to skip it because I just, I don't, I don't see you having a very good time with this one. Okay. And you, I mean, we've been friends long enough, you know, <laughs> if I would, if I would um, enjoy it or not. So I, I, I'll definitely bump that one down lower on the list. 
Yeah, and I mean, maybe it's like a background movie or if you're doing something else, um, just to kind of, you know, see if something's happening. It might be better, but definitely not um, full concentration mode for sure. Um, did you watch anything? Yes, um, I've actually watched uh, three movies. First, Severn Films, I believe it was Severn Films, hold on, um, The Way of Driving Master. Uh, from 1972, I want to say 76. Um, it's a it's pretty much a proto slasher, but it turns out that the whole movie is kind of oh, God. I good. <laughs> I mean, there's parts of it that's really good, but I, it's I mean, it was shot in four days. The script was written in a week. I mean, and you can tell. There's a lot of stuff in it where you're just like, wait, what? And so I, I don't know if, I mean, if you're, if you're serious about um, catching every kind of slasher movie, I would recommend it. Otherwise, I mean, I don't think you're missing anything if you skip it. Um, let's see. Have you checked that one out? No, I haven't. That's always been one that I've kind of been curious about. Um, I'm glad that I heard your review, though. So, I mean, that's kind of one of them that, you know, one day if I ended up seeing that it's on, like, Amazon Prime or Netflix or something, I'll probably end up checking it out. But, yeah, I um, I won't go out of my way for that one. Yeah, it's just, I see glimmers. I heard, um, I don't remember where I read this, but I heard that, um, it was originally like just the ending of another movie that was being filmed that did like fell through. So they just took this stuff and kind of like cut around it and like added a little bit and made it a different movie. But I mean, aside from like Buck Flower popping up in the end and like the idea of a, a killer at a drive-in is kind of cool. But other than that, I mean, it's just it's kind of anticlimactic. Yeah, that then, almost uh, kind of sounds see. like what happened, what ended up happening with Spookies. Oh, <sighs> yeah, but Spook, you can't, you can't touch Spookies. Spookies is bitching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's but, more of an I mean, entertaining then, mess where you just kind of fuse two movies together so, and both of them are entertaining. Yeah, well, I, Spookies works. I mean, it makes no sense. It's an entertaining mess, but there's enough really cool, like set pieces and some great um special effects and like there's a lot of good ideas in it it just is kind of a jumble and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but you know what it's still an entertaining ride this could be total nostalgia talking from my days of watching it on USA up all night all the time however i would say drive-in massacre is less of a success story when it comes to mashups well, yeah, and I mean, it just kind of screams 80s. It's just, it's so much fun. I would like to get, a, like, a really good release of that someday. Um, but, yeah, I, I've, I've always kind of really enjoyed that, too. So, yeah, maybe that might be nostalgia talking as well. Um, so, what were the other ones you saw? So, I watched the unrated version of Bye Bye Man. Okay. I just don't even know. I feel like um, I feel like the Bye Bye Man is very kind of 
it, it there's nothing like it just takes a bunch of ideas from other movies and kind of puts it in a blender and it's very similar to slender man to the point of when you say his name it gets in your head and makes you crazy and that's all you can think of so it's a lot of like don't think it don't say it and you know there's some interesting kind of like ideas where like three people will be in a room and each one of them will experience a different timeline that's going on and you don't really know what's going on um i would like to kind of watch it again i i don't know if i can recommend it because it is pretty cheesy um i did the the lead guy is uh doug smith and he's from stage fright and ouija like the eternal teenager he does a pretty good job but the other two leads um uh lucian lavis count and Cresida bonus are just blah especially her she doesn't have a whole lot of um credits before this movie and good reason i mean she's just very bad oh and and there's another friend like a wiccan friend that pops up terrible actress i mean there's just there's some good ideas but for the most part it's just kind of a mess and i i wonder if like maybe a sequel would be a good idea, kind of like Ouija, where the sequel could be better if they get somebody that would respect the material. Because I mean, I I I'll always like Doug Jones as the creature, and there is some some creepy jump scares and atmosphere in it, and there's some good ideas. I mean, granted, not a whole lot of original ones, but they're still still good. And I mean, there's some good set pieces, but yeah, it's just kind of a big missed opportunity, and it does. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't say it's the worst of the year, but then I didn't see the PG 13 edited version. Um, it was, it was kind of fun to see Faye Dunaway. Um, poor Carrie Ann Moss had, had nothing to do. So I don't, I don't know. That's a... what is, um, what does Faye do? Does she have like the Lynch roll? Pretty much, because what it is, is once you hear, um, you're cursed. And so she knows the story, but she never heard the name, and it's kind of haunted her her whole life. But since she doesn't know the name, she can be touched by the the bye-bye man. But she's still kind of fucked with, because she was there the first time the massacre went around. But the crazy, kooky old lady she's kind of she's like the psychic in um jeepers creepers where she just pops up gives some exposition and goes away yeah like i gotta say like i know that this isn't your your goal but you're you're totally selling me on this film (laughs) um also i i i will not say that i was in a sober state of mind (laughs) this movie so that could have been it, but I mean, they, they could, I don't know. I I would recommend it if it's free on Netflix and it's the unrated version and make up, like, make up your own mind because I've seen much, much, much worse. But yeah, I mean, my biggest problem is there's three leads. One does an okay job. The other two are boring as all hell, and none of them are written very interesting. So 
you kind of because you're just like I don't fucking care if these people live or die. Like, ugh. is this subplot? Yeah, I mean, it's not brother so and his precocious daughter, where you're like, oh, is she gonna be in danger too? And it's just kind of like that could have been cut out because they add nothing to it. But I, I don't know. Ugh. Maybe it's just because well, I was you, I mean, that movie was shot like. <laughs> Yeah, and then we was shot like a year and a half ago, so who knows how much has, you know, been changed. Or, I mean, obviously we know that it went from an R to a PG-13, but I wouldn't be surprised if a bunch of other stuff got kind of jumbled around as well. I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. But then um, the, the third one that I watched and is definitely the best of the three. It's on VOD right now. It's um, The Black Coat's Daughter previously known as February, and it stars um, Emma Roberts, uh, Kieran Shipka, who was in Mad Men and is really good on Feud. Uh, she plays Betty Davis's daughter, um, who is in the movie, and Betty Davis demands that she use her, um, I think it's BD as her name. Like, it's not, her name is not billed as Davis because she's not good. <laughs> <laughs> like she, but um, and um, the, the those two are very good. Um, James Remar and Lauren Holly pop up, and they're really well used. Um, the one person I really liked in it, who I was trying to place it, but I couldn't figure it out. It's um, I don't know how to say her last name, but it's Lucy Boyenton. She's also the daughter in Don't Don't Knock Twice, and that's why. I remembered her, although she's blonde in one movie and brunette in this, so that's why it was kind of hard to place her. She's also playing a completely different kind of character, but she's really good, too. I mean, it's a very, very good, creepy, slow burn. It's directed by Oz Perkins, who is Anthony's son. I mean, it's it's very, very well done. I really enjoyed it, but it's definitely one that will split people down the middle because it doesn't explain much and it's kind of all over the place and it kind of has an open end where you you make up your own I mean it does kind of point things out but for the most part it's a lot of like huh oh but some people don't like those kind of movies so they're going to be like what ugh hate it I don't know, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's that's always a fine line because you know you explain too much and people get kind of mad, and then you don't explain enough, and then people get mad. It's it's a very you know difficult balance where you know you kind of just try to please everyone, but with movies like that, especially you know having uh, a forum of, of VOD and having stuff like that. Like that's what's nice too, because you're not trying to pitch it towards a wide audience. You can have those kind of movies that take more chances and expect more risks because, you know, you don't have a huge, you know, $30 million advertising budget behind it where it's like, okay, well we have to play on Friday night and, 2,500 theaters across America. Yeah, exactly. Well, and this is another one. Um, 
that had the the release date shuffle. I mean, it's been all over the place. And it's had like eight different titles as well. So, but I'm just, I'm happy they finally released it. Yes, it kind of stinks that it went straight to VOD, but I don't think it's a movie that would do well in a wide release because I feel like most of middle America would hate it. I mean, the horror fans will dig it, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very quiet, slow burn. And those are very hard to sell. I I would um, kind of liken it. I would say it's kind of akin to the witch. Like it's along those lines, the witch and like it follows where it's, it's very um, just, it's good. I liked it. Nice. Yeah, so like um kind of where where you would say like it's more um like I'm trying to think of like the right way to put it but like more a- atmospheric than like straight out like scary. Yes, there's no it, it's not a jump scare kind of movie. It's sound design and atmosphere and I mean lots of shots that are just held on people and it's very um I saw one reviewer say it's uh, David Lynchian, which I kind of agree with, but not as batshit crazy. But it's very, um, it's a quiet horror movie. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that one out. It's also nice to see Emma Roberts play something besides, you know, Madison Montgomery and Chanel number one. Like, this is a completely different character for her that I've seen, at least. And I, I was kind of pleased with it because she she does a good job. She's not the focus, though. The focus is Kieran Shipka. And I must say, she's she's really good. I could see her having a very good career because, I mean, a lot of people say she's really good in Mad Men. I never watched Mad Men. But I, she does really kind of catch your focus when she's on screen. She's very interesting. And she's just got those very like expressive eyes and stuff like that. So I'm um I'm very curious to see what else she does because if she if she stays in the horror genre, she could be really really good. And it's not a shame anymore to be in the horror genre. No, definitely not at all. I mean, especially this year, you know, two of the the biggest hits of the year, both Split and Get Out. Um, have been two of the best-reviewed movies of the year as well. So, you know, it's really kind of come full circle where people can love move, these movies. And, I mean, both of those movies are ones that five years ago, I mean, if if somebody would have told me, like, hey, like, there's going to be this horror movie that's kind of a political, you know, satire on, you know, racism, and it's going to make $150 million, I probably would have laughed in their face and said, like, okay, well, no one's going to pay to see that. Yeah, but I mean, if you think about it objectively, like, I was, I was, I still haven't seen it yet, um, which I know I'm totally slacking on, but uh, I, I've just, for, like, the last two months, I've been working six days a week. It's been really hard to go do anything, but um. I kind of feel like I, I don't know everything about it, but just the vibe I get from the trailers is it's kind of a modern day version of the Stepford Wives, where the Stepford Wives was made 
when women were starting to become more independent and become career women and stuff like that, they weren't just going to be stay at home wives. And I feel like that is reflected in the movie where it's the fear of the change. And I, I kind of see that with race relations as opposed to sex relations with Get Out. I may be completely wrong. Like I said, I've only seen the trailer once before a movie. So I'm very curious to see it. Um, I'm hoping to get to it soon before it leaves theaters. Um, but it's just A, I don't really have a theater near me. B, I don't drive. And C, I kind of hate going to the theater because audiences suck. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's tough because, you know, you got people on their cell phones talking and people sneaking in. And it's just, it, it's tough to go see a movie nowadays. So, I mean, I might just kind of sit and wait until it goes on video on demand because then I can just watch it in the comfort of my own home. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too. I mean, with movies like that, or just kind of movies in general, I mean, some movies are definitely audience reaction type films where, you know, if if I'm going to watch a movie like, you know, I'm trying to think of an example. Okay, like, I went to the midnight screening and it was packed of, like, Freddy versus Jason, but, like, that's an audience movie where, you know, people are clapping after the deaths and people are laughing, and that's the kind of movie where... Yeah, it's great to have that kind of participation, but I don't want that if I'm going to see a movie like Get Out or The Witch. Like, it's just, it, that's not the same, and that completely takes you out of the experience. No, I mean, a midnight showing of a popcorn movie is one thing, but, I mean, I don't, I don't want people screaming at the screen every two seconds thinking they're hysterical, because most of the time, they're not, and they just kind of piss everybody off, so... I don't know. I might just save my pennies and then rent them because I don't know. It's just, movies are coming out faster and faster nowadays, and I, I don't mind that at all. No, I mean, especially nowadays with, I mean, the new biggest trend is uh, the movie scene, uh, BOD, usually a couple of weeks before they hit um, actual video. So I mean that's been that's been helping out as well. Where you'll get you know movies, you know stuff like *The Bye Bye Man*, where it's not even two months from the day it hits theaters so they hit VOD. So it's just like, well, why why take the chance then if you don't have to? Yeah. Well, and quite frankly, I'm kind of glad I didn't see it in the theater and I saw it on VOD because. I got the unrated cut and that's probably way better. I don't really know. I got to look up like a a comparison or something because I'm very curious to see what the PG-13 theatrical version was. But at the same time, I'm a little terrified of it. Because I think it's going to be shitty. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, some of those, like, I know some movies, like, you you can watch, like, both of them, and I know, like, around, like, that mid-2000s period, we had a lot of those, like, PG, where they were doing kind of, like, the, the double versions on DVD, both the PG-13 and also, like, the unrated cut or, you know, whatever you want to call them, and they were, like, 45 seconds longer, which just was, like, okay, I don't even know what's different, if there's anything, but then you had other movies around that same period where, you know, there'd be, 
a good 10 minutes that were completely different movies like darkness and curse. And, you know, what a surprise are both, um, dimension, but, um, yeah, it's always kind of interesting to go back and say like, okay, well, why did they do that? Exactly. And I think it's just another example of the studios doing, a like a focus group testing, but grabbing people that wouldn't normally see the movie and just getting basic non-horror fans to critique it. I mean, if you're going to release a horror movie, do a, a like a focus group screening at one of the hundreds of horror cons that are out there and get feedback from there. Because quite frankly, that's the audience that's going to pay to see your movie. So why not? No, I'm kind of right there with you on that, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, moving on to the top of our show, we talked a little bit already about uh, the It trailer as well as our thoughts on the original It film, but we're going to be talking about some other um, good and some not-so-good uh, Stephen King adaptations. Uh, Andrew, is there one that you kind of wanted to jump right in and, and start with that maybe you either particularly really like or don't so much enjoy well i mean the thing of it is is i've I've talked about this one until i was blue in the face but i will always say that i think um 1976's carrie is one of the best adaptations yes there are some changes to it but it's not as extreme as the shining with kubrick even though that is a phenomenal movie as well it just aside from the setting and a few of the plot points, it's a completely different like turn of events than um, the original novel. Whereas Carrie's pretty, it follows the novel. It just tweaks some things. Um, both of which I would say are absolutely recommended viewing for any novice horror fan because they are classics for a reason. But yeah, I would say those two are the shining and Carrie are two of like the top Stephen King films. Yeah, and I mean, with Carrie, um, I know that it dropped some of the more um, supernatural elements from the uh, the book. Um, but yeah, the movie itself, I mean, it, it follows kind of the, the same um, general storyline uh, from beginning to end. I think it's got some really good performances. Um, actually, both Carrie okay. and The Shining, I think, like, the performances are both really good. Um, I know that with, with The Shining in, in particular, um, just the atmosphere, I mean, just the look of the movie is just fantastic. Um, I'm not as big of a, a Carrie fan as you are, um, only because it's just, I don't know what it is. Maybe I just watched it too late um, because I know that I didn't, I didn't watch Carrie for the first time until well into the 90s. I don't know why for whatever particular reason i think i actually for the first time i watched it like not before not too long before uh carrie 2 came out the rage so i mean that was like 98 so i think like maybe like 97 was the first time i watched it and, and by that point it just it felt too dated for me i think that i needed to have watched it earlier uh just because i'd seen so many movies and i'd seen so many rip-offs of it so that it kind of got to the point where I kind of liked the rip-offs more because I just thought that they were more fun. But 
yeah, their performance is dead on, just per- perfect, um, just really, really, really good. And yeah, um, both of those are very iconic, especially uh, of their era of just really well-made horror films. I will say when it comes to Carrie, um, the ending of the movie versus the ending of the book, in 1976, I don't think the Reign of Stones um, decimating the house would have worked. It would have looked, I feel, really silly had they tried to do it. Um, so I'm glad they kind of went a different route. But yeah, I mean, I, I totally get that. Coming in too late to a movie, it, it's hard to sell, especially something that's like, I mean, if you saw it around the time Carrie came out, then that means you probably, or The Rage Carry 2 came out, you probably just heard everyone say, oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. And then when you watch it, you're just kind of like, oh, okay. But yeah, the ripoffs are hella entertaining. Um, I love Jennifer, uh, which is an amazing Carrie ripoff with um, a mean girl that makes um, Chris Harginson seem like the Virgin Mary. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, like, I grew up on Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, which, I mean, is very much, I mean, the the kind so of their own story. I mean, it's it's pretty much Carrie Meets Nightmare on Elm Street. And I think that I wanted more of that fun from Carrie. And that's not Carrie's fault. Carrie is not that kind of movie. But having grown up with this kind of other version of this film, it's just that's what I kind of really liked and that's what I kind of wanted. And like I said, it's it's no fault of the movie itself. It was more of just kind of what my expectations were going in. Yeah. How about you? Um, I'm actually going to skip ahead quite a bit um, to the 1990s um, and talk about the, the one movie that is not an adaptation and that's, the one movie that he wrote directly for the screen, and that's the underrated Sleepwalkers. This is one of those movies that, for whatever reason, the people that like Sleepwalkers really like it, and the people that Love don't it. like it absolutely hate it. Like there's, there's just there's no in between. But it takes this really weird story of uh, that's kind of borderline incest about this, you know, mother and son who have this sexual relationships that turn into beasts and only cats can kill them. It's hairy. This is how, okay, so earlier on the show, I talked about how the 90s, um, the early 90s had that kind of, you know, dark humor. This is where the dark humor can work. This is closer to that kind of very strange, let's just see where we're going to go with this. And just kind of that that no holds bars attitude and and it works in the pr- practicality of this film and it also really helps the fact that this movie has a, a fantastic cast and for the most parts you know watching it even you know 25 years later um, a lot of the effects um, hold up there's some cheesy one-liners and stuff but by that point um, you're kind of so into the movie that it doesn't really matter um, I kind of like to the fact that the first like 45 minutes or so of this film sets it up to be kind of this very moody atmospheric slow burn and then there's a scene in the cemetery not to get get too spoilery but after that scene it's 
just kind of batshit crazy and it turns into kind of just a, a straight up slasher. And it's very interesting to see these kind of two movies mesh into one. But yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, um, quite frankly, I wouldn't doubt it if a lot of the cheesy one-liners were thrown in at the studio's request because, I mean, that was kind of what they were doing with horror villains at the time. I mean, they all wanted the next Freddy Krueger, so you have, like, um, the the trickster and brain scan and such. Candyman's the only one that um, survived unscathed. But, um, yeah, no, I love Sleepwalkers. Um, I'm a fan of Mad Chinamic uh, for life. Um, she does a great job as the, the, the final girl in this. Um, Brian Krause is great. Um, Alice Krieg is great. I mean, it's all in all, I would say it's a solid movie, especially for being an early 90s horror movie that, I, if I'm not mistaken, it, it did not do well at the box office, right? It kind of fizzled. Yeah, I think it did. I think this was kind of one of those movies that did really well for one weekend, and the word of mouth and reviews just weren't there, and it just kind of dropped like a stone um, until the video, and then more people kind of checked it out. But yeah, I mean, it's very, it's an interesting film. Yeah, you're right. Um, the the cast is great. Um, I think what really helps too is, uh, you know, we talked about the kind of one-liners, but um, a lot of them are given to um, Alice Craig, who. I think what works with her is the fact that she delivers them very seriously and very straight. It's not that kind of Freddy's dead, you know, winking at the camera, the, aha, uh-huh, like, look how funny I'm being. So that really definitely helps when you're going to have that kind of humor as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely um, agree with you on your recommendation of Sleepwalkers. I love it. It's been a while since I've seen it. I might pop that in tonight. It's I've been meaning, I've been itching to see it lately. Um, yeah, I think it's still fun. So yeah, you definitely should. Uh, so what's up next on your list? Misery. Kathy, Ooh, that's Bates. That. Kathy Bates and Misery is one of the most, I would say, phenomenal female villains that has ever graced the screen because at first you're just kind of like huh she seems sweet she's a little off but she's sweet and you just slowly like you start seeing the unhingedness and then it just quickly goes to crap I will also say that Kathy Bates gives a great performance in Dolores Claiborne it's just it's the the movie's not as good as the book Dolores Claiborne but Kathy Bates does a great performance but Misery, I mean, that's the movie that made Kathy Bates. I, I, I honestly have been, like, thinking about it, and I'm like, I can't remember a movie she was in before Misery. I'm sure she's been in a lot of movies before Misery, but that's, that's the one that really kind of threw her on the map, and she's been running with it ever since, and that's awesome because she's, she, she kills that movie. That whole movie is her. Oh my God! Oh, I completely agree. Oh God, I had spent years since I've seen that. I don't even remember it. Me too. Okay, we're we're gonna need to pop that one in soon. I don't remember her at all. I wonder if it's like a case of um, Megan Mullally in um, Once Bitten, where I'm like, no way, Megan Mullally is not in that. 
And then she's only in like three small scenes, but in one of them, like immediately I'm like, oh my God, that's her. She's got this giant red perm. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm now I'm very curious to see this. <laughs> or like um, Molly Shannon in Phantom of the Opera. Yes. Or Edie McClurg in the 1976's Carrie. She's, uh, she's one of the mean girls. <laughs> it's just so weird to see. Because, I mean, a lot of them, my first introduction to them was when they were older. So the idea of seeing them when they're teenagers kind of like throws me for a loop. So I'm like, you guys were never teenagers. You were born adults. You'll always be adults. <laughs> yeah, it's just very, it's almost surreal just to kind of see that kind of back and forth where you see all of a sudden like, oh, wow, like they were younger. Like they weren't born like 40 years old. Uh, it is pretty crazy. But yeah, um, I, I got to give a shout out to Misery. Another one that I want to bring up, but um, it's it's kind of a, a a half request or not request, but recommendation is Needful Things. Um, I loved the book Needful Things. I read it numerous times, kind of came out like, I mean, I know it came out in 1991, but I was probably, it was probably around the time the movie came out that I bought the book because that's when it was being covered in Sangoria and that made me kind of go back to get it. And I loved the idea where it's the devil owns the antique store and it's just like, oh, you don't have to pay for this thing that you really, really want and have always wanted. And you just have to do a, a small prank and he basically spins Castle Rock on his head. The only thing is much like a lot of King adaptations, a lot of it was cut out. And I know there's a three hour like TV movie, like all the cut scenes are added into like a TV broadcast. I've just never seen it. And I would love for that to be released one day because I think that would be completely different. Otherwise, I would say, you know, make it make it a miniseries, make it an HBO six episode miniseries, because that's one that could totally do it. Because there's a lot going on in that book and a lot of characters and a lot of story. And I would love to see it, although it would be um, it would be really hard to find someone as good as Max von Sydow for Leland Gaunt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Max is great in this film. Um, he's he's kind of the, the anchor for it. It's got a really good cast. Um, Amanda the movie Palmer itself just is yeah, she's fantastic. She's so good. Um, I think that my problem, um, I think that you kind of hit it right on the head, is that the movie itself um, just kind of sits there. Um, there's no kind of, it's got this really good premise, and it doesn't quite know what to do with it. I completely agree with you on, you know, make this, you know, an HBO um, miniseries or even like a, a one season on Netflix where, you know, you give it six or eight episodes, give it one episode to just kind of establish, you know, the town and the characters. I and mean, then you can do one episode following each of the characters around and just kind of, you know, play it as a mini um uh, almost like a, a Friday the 13th uh, series, uh, the, the original series, obviously, not the, the movie series. But um, there's 
the premise is just so good, and there there's moments in the movie that's quite good, um, especially involving those two characters. But yeah, um, it's just it just doesn't really do all that much, which is it's, it's sad because, like I said, that there's there's good individual moments, but the movie itself is just kind of eh for me. Mhm. I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to see an update. How about you? Um, so the next one on my list, um, you know, when I first, this is probably the first one that really got me into them because I, I know that I probably watched it, but I think I watched it a little bit later. But I wanted to talk about this stand. We're talking about um, made-for-TV uh, horror uh, miniseries. You know, this one was kind of the first one where it's like, hey, like we're going to have four parts and it's going to be eight hours long. And... This was really the first one that I can really remember that was really kind of, at least in my lifetime, was really a television event where it's literally like 50 different actors from all different sorts of things that, you know, I could, you know, name them all forever, you know, Rob Lowe and Laura San Giacomo and just, I mean, the, the list just goes on and on and on of the people that are in the stands and the movie itself is pretty creepy. Yeah, it is hampered by the, you know, the made-for-TV feeling and the kind of, you know, that early 90s era of television where it does feel a little cheap at times, but the story really holds up quite well. And having this cast, especially many of the characters that are in this are kind of more known for their comedic roles. Uh, They're they're really good in this film. And this is one that I haven't seen in a few years, mostly because of just how long it is. But it's been one that I've, I've been wanting to check out again. Yeah, I, um, I've i seen bits and pieces of the miniseries, but I never actually watched the entire thing. Um, I feel like I really need to get on that. But like like you said, it's, it's a daunting task because it's, it's a, a very, very long mini series, but I would love to see it again because I mean, there's just, there's a lot going on and I remember bits and pieces, but not enough of it. So it could be, it could be fun to rewatch it one day. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it holds up well. Like I said, like it's been quite a while since I've seen it all. And I mean, God, I don't even know, like, the last time that I actually, like, sat down and watched it from beginning to end. I mean, that might have even been the 90s. Um, it's been a long, long time where, you know, you kind of have that, you know, that was more of that era of appointment television where it's like, okay, well, you know, today I'm going to watch another two hours and tomorrow's in the next two hours. And nowadays, you just, you don't have that anymore. It's kind of, you know, all, all at once or none at all. So uh, what else do you got? Um, I am going to go with, I'm going to go with two of them that were based off short stories of his that both did a very good job with the material. Um, and those would be The Mist from 2007 and 1408 from 2007. Um, 1408 starts off really, really, really strong. Um, it just kind of. It fizzles towards the end, I feel, because it just, it goes from a very, like, subtle, like, 
bump in the night kind of creep fest to just balls to the wall CGI chaos. But the first like 45 minutes are amazing. Um, and then the mist is just, it's, it's unsettling. Um, there's a lot of really good stuff. There's some, some, some iffy CGI again. Um, I heard that if you watch the black and white version, that is completely toned down. I haven't seen the black and white version because I don't own it, but I really need to get it. But Marsha Gay Harden is phenomenal. Um, the ending is just to the nuts and it, it, it's scary. I mean, the idea of a mist coming in and you don't know what's in it is scary. Um, it's kind of like the fog. The fog creeped me out when I was a kid because of that, because you don't know what's in there. And the mist is kind of the same thing. So those two are my definite recommends. No, those are both really good recommendations. Um, I've, I'm, a, I'm a pretty big fan of both of them. Uh, you're right on 1408. It's got a really, the setup is great. So that first kind of, you know, that 45 minutes or even, even maybe the first hour, it's just, it's kind of a slow burn and the characters are interesting and you're kind of unraveling the story of this hotel and what might have happened in this room and that stuff is really good and then they kind of paint themselves in the corner and don't really know what to do with it and they just kind of throw everything at the wall and see what sticks some of it works some of it doesn't work so much um the mist though is just it's phenomenal i mean it just it feels like I, I could definitely see it working even better in black and white because it very much feels like a 1940s um, creature feature. You know, it's almost like a, a 1940s like, creature feature combined with that kind of 60s, uh, very kind of cynical end-of-the-world type horror movie. Um, stuff like um, if you're going to take like a, a universal creature feature with mix it with like Romero's uh, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, this is probably something close to what you would get with that. But yeah, um, okay. I'm I'm shocked knowing that wine scene was involved with this, but that ending did not get changed. Um, more power to them for uh, having the, the, the balls to kind of go through with that ending. It's, it's very unsettling, and it's an ending that some people love. Um, other people, it it rubs wrong. Um, I I don't want to get too spoilery, but I will say that. Um, okay, well, this isn't too spoilery, but I I will say that like if if I were if I were a parent, I might think that differently of the ending. Um, it didn't bother me as it is um just because i could understand it but so i mean i can see why people might not be all that big of a fan of it but the the movie itself is just it's really 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 well done and they really just kind of dropped the ball with a release um i remember that this kind of opens right around thanksgiving and it's just you know, this is a dark, depressing horror movie. And yeah, it's got some dark comedy in it as well, but this is not kind of the movie that you take your folks to after you've had, like, a Thanksgiving dinner. No, no. And that was the kind of hard part is because, like, yes, Scream did extremely big business in a season 
that normally wasn't known for horror, but that doesn't mean that every family-esque holiday needed horror movies released around that time. I mean, Scream also succeeded because it was just a very, very good movie. And it was an entertaining popcorn, scream at the crowd, have a great time, kind of happy ending movie. The Mist is not that kind of movie. <laughs> that is not what you want to go see. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Um, so, yeah, um, but those those are both really good choices. Um, we only have like a couple minutes left, so I'll just throw out some more recommendations off my end. Creep Show is just really good, uh, just the stories. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of, ironically, Stephen King's role in his story, but um, the rest of the movie is just a lot of fun. It's just it's it feels like a big comic book movie, which it pretty much is, but it works and it, it's very good. But um, some of the other ones that I wanted to kind of briefly talk about, um, The Langoliers is awful, uh, not very not good at all. Skip it. Another skip it would be Dreamcatcher. Really just not good. Um, just not good at all. You waste a really good cast um, with some really bad CGI and a story that kind of goes nowhere. Um, but other good ones that aren't necessarily horror. Uh, Stand By Me, another short one that's quite good. But also uh, The Shawshank Redemption is an excellent film that has only kind of uh, been recently kind of praised probably within the last like 10 years as one of kind of the all-time best and i don't know if i'd quite go that far but the movie itself is very 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 good so uh yeah those are some on my list to both check out as well as avoid yeah um i i agree with you with the shawshank redemption i think the fact that it played on tnt a lot definitely helped it um, another like marginal recommend for me would be The Running Man, um, very loosely based on his story, but it's an entertaining um, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Uh, definite skips in, in my world. Um, Cell with John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson is a big wasted opportunity. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Graveyard Shift and The Mangler. Um, just a... Uh, not good. I, I mean, I, I would love to see the unrated version of the Mangler. Unfortunately, it is very hard to find. Um, I might have to scour. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely hit or miss. Uh, Maximum Overdrive is kind of right down the middle for me. I really like the beginning of it. It's got some great um, visuals, especially the Green Goblin head on the the Happy Time Toys truck. Uh, but it's got some pretty annoying protagonists as well, so that one's kind of hard. But I, that the beginning scenes of Maximum Overdrive really freaked me out with all the technology going amok in like suburbia and just seeing everybody kind of sprawled out dead. But yeah, um, I'm right there with you on Maximum Overdrive. The movie is so much fun until it kind of brings all of our heroes together, kind of strands them in the one location, and then it just kind of fizzles apart, but everything up until that point, it's just it's just a blast. It's so it's just so much fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, so that's, um, that's, that's going to be the end of our show, so 
Um, hopefully, we gave you guys some good recommendations. Uh, let us know what you guys think, uh, both for hits or misses in the Stephen King world, and also let us know what you thought of the trailer. Yeah, I would love to hear some re- reviews and some um, recommendations of Stephen King movies I have not seen. So, yeah, right. definitely. So uh, we'll have to to get on the ball and hopefully watch some more um, before the the new one comes out. So, yeah, uh, until next week, have a horror-filled week. Yeah, watch some good ones. (laughs) Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.